ETH Podcast COVID-19 Hi, I hope all is well with everyone. You're listening to the 10th and for the moment also last episode of the special edition of the ETH Podcast during the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Jennifer Kakshuri and I'm speaking to someone whose job it is to promote research at ETH. We will be talking about how to start up research again and open labs after a full stop. My name is Detlef Günther and I'm Vice President for Research and Corporate Relations at ETH. I'm doing this uh, since five and a half years. By training, I'm a chemist and professor for trace element and microanalysis at ETH Zurich. A few weeks ago, you had to stop almost all research in most ETH labs from one day to the next. You've been incredibly busy since, and it was rather hard to schedule an appointment for this recording. How do you feel about everything right now? Uh, right now, I see a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it was very difficult to stop the activities at ETH. In particular, if I'm typically you know, supporting research at all different levels. But um, there was a lot of understanding. Uh, we had this emergency state uh, very quickly sorted out. The department chairs and the departments and all the staff members being very helpful with a lot of understanding. So we reduced the activities, but we maintained all the urgent needs at uh, a good level. And at the same time, we established a committee, really ad hoc committee, to look what kind of uh, contributions can we make in terms of research, because this is what we you know, gave them some exemptions and they continued research. And of course, following the BAG rules, so that means not crowded laboratories, uh, this was very clear right from the beginning. So we had a quick overview of what research continued. And now we started this, let's say, reopening. It's not really a reopening. It's more or less uh, a first step into the direction where we get normal. But of course, you cannot crowd the laboratories at the same density as we have it under normal speed. But also there, I gave the full trust to the departments. They know best, actually, and, and all the professors know very good, actually, what can be done, what is experimental research, who needs to be where and when. And that worked out very nicely. Looking back at this phase that is slowly loosening up, where did the most significant cutbacks have to be made? Well, in one part, we had to really reduce the animal experiments. It's an area where you want to be very careful, uh, not wasting any life. And that's the reason why we had to be very restrictive there in a way of closing down so that we had to really give some exemptions because there have been some planning. And now we are slowly and not full speed starting again. So that means preparing experiments where you have a long preparation time. And are there areas, in a sense, new fields of research that emerged in the last weeks? I mean, apart from COVID-19 research? Well, the first, what you recognize is where you're missing certain expertise, because we have seen that in this entire pandemic, the access to really data for prediction is really crying for, you know, a little bit more, let's say, sharing of data where you can access them and where you can make 
proper estimations of certain things. So in, in the terms of prediction of this pandemic, that was uh, one of the things. And in general, it cries actually for really data storage places where you can access and where you bring logical data all together. This is one of the conclusions. No, I would not say that we created something completely new. What's being seen is typically we're working on long-term research and we generate new knowledge and it's not predictable. But I was quite amazed how much actually we could also, if it's really required, contribute to problem solving immediately because we have a lot of instrumentation, a lot of knowledge, creativity from the students, creating web pages where you actually connect people, etc., etc. Uh, this was, was really great to see. And then we started a serological study. So that means it was a lot of work actually to get the ethics approval for this long term. It will be an experiment over one year. And uh, three of our professors really took the lead there and we, we managed it to really start um, sampling. So that was really uh, where you've seen, wow, within a short period of time we could really achieve something by um, yeah, multidisciplinary approaches. Speaking about time and working and researching in real time, many scientists now have shifted to COVID-19 related topics in their fields What does it do to research if you're actually researching in real time for reality also, for us right now, at this moment? In certain fields, you can speed up a little bit, but um, you cannot really ban all the regulations immediately. And that's the reason why I said whatever we do, we have to fulfill the ethical standards and we have to be very careful in the conclusions of our little steps we make because it's not the same validation as we typically do under normal conditions. There you would uh, test even more people. You have a longer period of time in, in testing something. And what's also important is the conclusion here because everyone is watching everything you know, in real time The conclusions have to be drawn very, very careful. Otherwise, you can create a complete mess. And in, in certain areas, we have seen it, this controversial uh, scientific discussion, which uh, then went over to society. And at one moment in time, almost everyone was more or less confused what is right and what is wrong. So that's the reason why there are some lessons which we have to really evaluate properly to avoid some of the mistakes in the future. And um, there are also possibilities to do things differently in the future. ETH scientists are in the media almost daily since the spread of the coronavirus. And many people are working in different fields, analyzing the virus itself, calculating the speed of the spread, or discussing the pros and cons of a contact tracing app. COVID-19 seems to be a new and broad field for research. Are all research grants for the next few years going to be for corona-related projects only? Oh God, no, <laughs> definitely not. And I, I really uh, have problems with the word corona at the moment. Uh, I mean, this makes us almost sick. No, there will be one point in time where we get back to a normal handling of this virus. The key question is how fast will come a vaccine to help us? There are many fields which are not even close to this pandemic situation and there 
also extremely eager to get back into their normal research projects. But we will learn one thing. Are we prepared for these kind of situations? And here I think oh, there will be a change in terms of fundamental research of topics which are not really of absolute high priority, which are running in the background, but which uh, will become extremely important for the society. Right? And uh, if you look, I mean, there was SARS, and uh, they started and different other diseases. It reached a little bit hype, was good funded, and then later on mm, everyone thought this is over. And maybe here, actually, we consider, no, these viruses can come and go. So we should establish a sustainable research field in this direction. And not just from one discipline, because what you see at the moment is, and this is amazing, how many different fields where you would never predict that they have something in common with the virus are making contributions to you know, bring light into this virus uh, situation. Detlef, you had to stop research almost entirely a few weeks ago. Thinking back at that one moment where the decision was made, what do you think about that moment today? Well, I must admit that I was not so much surprised because I'm also responsible for the Singapore ETH Center in Singapore. And this was something like an indicator, already a predictor. And by chance, actually, on 8th of January, my daughter finished last year high school and she went to Asia <laughs> and has been in Vietnam, in, in Laos and in Cambodia. So I followed every single step in, in Asia because my daughter was there. Okay, so I was prepared that it's uh, slowly spreading over. And then we have in our research portfolio the supercomputing center in Lugano. And this was another indicator and gave us some time what, uh, what might come to us. So that means actually we discussed it uh, over a pretty long period already. So the day actually where we made the decision was not the biggest surprise. It came slowly and that's the reason why you can never prepare for this. It would be wrong if I say this, but I played it in my mind for a little bit longer. And what are your hopes regarding research at ETH after this phase of the lockdown? For me, it was one of the most positive outcome of this entire pandemic is you cannot say that one single discipline solves this problem, right? So that means the value of interdisciplinary work, and I'm fairly sure there have been a lot of new connections between scientists who have not talked to each other within ETH, worked in teams together. And if we take just 20% out of this spirit, we would definitely bring the school extremely forward in, in our future thinking, in our solving problems. And if you look really, I mean, it was pushed a little bit aside, this entire sustainability goals. But these challenges are as complex as a pandemic situation. And I think if we take this spirit, then we are on a very good track to solve some of those challenges as well. Thank you, Detlef. It was great talking to you. Thanks for joining us. You can find all 10 episodes of the COVID-19 special edition of the ETH podcast on the website of the ETH. I'm Jennifer Kakshuri. I produced all episodes of the ETH podcast together with Tiswarta's Audio Story Lab and our sound designer, Luki Fritz. Stay safe and healthy. <laughs>